morning. It's good to be back at Bethesda on Sunday. Last week, I didn't go to church because I was in class all week uh, from Sunday through Friday up in Ann Arbor, Michigan at, during my normal, uh, it's every year, my classes I have to take. And uh, this year was uh, a class that was kindly Led into my life because of one of our young members at the at my work that I told a story about before that come back from the military and and uh, winded up he committed suicide um, shortly after he came back from the army uh, actually a marine and uh, the class I took this year was how to recognize and notice when somebody is struggling and how to uh, get the words in to start a conversation to keep them from committing suicide. And I'm grateful for uh, all the things I'm seeing on Facebook, the 22 push-ups in 22 days, and everybody's challenging people. Is anybody doing that? Anybody doing 22 push-ups a day? Uh, not, nobody in this room, right? So it's, it's a challenge they're doing online right now because uh, every 22 minutes, a person returning from the military commits suicide. And it's not talked about. It's something that's just kind of, you don't see it on the news media mentioned a lot. But it's something that uh, as a society and as a nation, we've got to uh, uh, notice and recognize and try to prevent. Amen? So I think we ought to pray for our returning military and those that uh, wear a uniform. And we have special days throughout the year in uh, Memorial Day and in Veterans Day. And in those two days, we recognize the military people, but what about all year long? A struggle is not just one day a year for people to recognize you. It's all year long. So those we need to pray for those military families and those that have uh, lost a loved one or is struggling with su thoughts of suicide or depression. And it's not only military. That's one thing they taught us during the class up there past week was PTSD is not just military. It's anybody that sees a, a uh, uh, something uh, that just sparks in them that they can't lose the memory of it. And they told stories about different things, and, and uh, just an awful thing happened here this past week when the, the kid up on the, the slide, uh, just uh, it's just overcoming that you can't imagine what the people that was there that witnessed that, what they would feel, and that PTSD is something that they could... Uh, suffer from as well it's not just the military but we need to pray for everybody that struggles and is uh, having doubts and thoughts that they can't shake so why don't we pray real quick if we will for all those that's struggling just if you will right there where you're at father we come to you with a heavy heart today and god we know that uh, this series the wanderers lord the the struggle that the children of Israel must have had, God, by wandering around in the wilderness and feeling alone. Lord, they felt abandoned. Lord, they felt like they was without any hope or without any direction. And God, I pray for those that are in our nation and around the world today. Lord, that they're wandering around life and they don't have any direction. They don't seem like they have any hope. But Lord, we know that you are the hope that they need. And God, I pray today that you would change the mindset. Lord, I pray that you would cast down those thoughts of depression, of anxiety, of fear, God. And I, pr I pray today, God, that you would just release them from those torments of the enemy. And, God, that you would just lift them up 
that you would comfort them by your Holy Spirit, and, Lord, you would lead them to a victorious life. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. This is the last week of the Wanderer series, and it's been an eight-week journey leading us to this place to end. And eight weeks seems like an eternity to us. It seems like an eight-week sermon series is a long time, and it's like, really, is that still going on? Is that still the same topic that they're discussing? But as I thought about uh, today's message, I thought about how that we think that eight weeks is a long time. But these people that were reading this story about, it was a 40-year journey. 40 years. That's a long time. There's people that, uh, uh, as I was pondering on this, I turned 40 years old this week. This past week, August the 16th was my birthday. Thank you for all the birthday wishes. And I turned 40 years old. That's how long the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness. And 40 years seems like a long time, but at the same time, it seems like it went by really fast. So there's a, a two-part to that, and I'm sure for the children of Israel, they felt like that, man, this is dragging on forever, but at the same time, it goes by pretty quickly. So it's amazing how that can happen. But as uh, this story today is Numbers 33, verses 50 through 56 is going to be our text. So let's see if you can put that up there. You got it? I'll read it out of the book. Numbers 33, 50 through 56. It says, While they were camped near the Jericho River on the plains of Moab opposite of Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross Jordan River into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy their carved and molten images and demolish all their pagan shrines. Take possession of the land and settle in it, because I've given it to you to occupy. You must distribute the land among the clans by sacred lot in proportion to their size. A larger portion of land shall be allotted to each of the larger clans, and a smaller portion will be allotted to each of the smaller clans. The decision of the sacred lot is final. In this way, the portions of the land will be divided among your ancestral tribes. But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your side. They will harass you in the land where you live, and I will do to you what I had planned to do to them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day for your word. Lord, we thank you for this series and God, I just ask that, Lord, that these are not only words, but, Lord, that they will be applied to the lives we live. And, God, that you would transform us into becoming that which we, you want us to be. And, God, that you would help us to overcome any obstacle in our life. Lord, that you would let us overcome any battle that we face. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. This whole story in the book of Numbers is leading us to uh, understand the size of the wilderness experience. 
And as we've said the past few weeks, is six million people walking around in the wilderness, coming upon different tribes of people and how jealous those people would be because of the blessings that God had put on Israel. And here we find in this chapter, the ending uh, chapter for us, there's a few more chapters after this, but it's a, a pointing us to the direction that God is still with us. Amen? Even after all of our wondering, even after all of our feeling exposed or feeling uh, unwanted or unneeded or feels like we've been left out or we've been uh, taken advantage of, after all of that, God is still with us. And if he was with us in our past, he'll be with us in our present and he'll remain to be with us in our future. Jesus very specifically said these things to his disciples that, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will be with you. He went on in, in other verses it says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never abandon us and let us be alone. It doesn't matter what our experiences are here on this world, on this planet called earth. It's about the afterlife. And because of our bad decisions, if we have to face this life with more difficulties because of our own ignorance or the error of our ways, doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Amen? How many of us ever have to suffer because of a dumb decision? I'd say it's everybody in this room. We make bad decisions all the time. And those bad decisions have consequences. So as God is showing the children of Israel here their bad decisions to not do what he told them to do, it caused them to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. It was their decision that caused that. It wasn't God. And some people place uh, God, uh, uh, the blame on God all the time, and they try to blame him for everything bad going on in their lives. Amen? But as a society, as a people, we can't blame God for what we've done wrong. Our consequences are from our decisions. The minute we take ownership of the destructive nature of ourselves is the minute God gets involved. Where we start saying, I'm not going to blame everybody else for everything wrong in my life. I accept that I have messed up. I accept the fact that it's my sin that separates me from God. I accept the fact that I'm the one making bad decisions. And the consequences I face are because of me. The minute you do that, it's where you take, it's a humble thing. Because it takes humility to take ownership of problems. It takes humility to be able to say to somebody, I'm the one that messed up, I'm sorry. And whenever we do this and we tell God that we're sorry for something we've done and we take ownership that we are the problem, not the solution, is the moment, that's the moment where God can get involved. So God wants today to be involved in your life, but he wants you to own the issues that you're facing. So it's, this is a, a Moses speaking to the children of Israel. And, and the sad part about this story is, in, in this portion that we just read is Moses is telling people that's going to get to enter the promised land what to do. But he's not going to be able to do it himself because he 
struck the rock we talked about a few weeks ago. And God told him, you will surely not enter that promised land. So can you imagine talking to a people about some ways that God is going to bless them knowing that you're outside of that? Knowing you're never going to experience that. And this is the way that it is for me. That sometimes I, I see things and say things it, 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 during a sermon. And I'm, I'm speaking to a people. And sometimes I don't understand what Bethesda is going to be 50 years from now. Or 30 years from now. Or 20 years from now. Or even 10 years from now. I really don't know. But I know one thing. That if God tells the people of Bethesda something, it shall come to pass. Amen? I believe in a prophetic God. I believe in a God that knows the future better than I know it. And I believe that he, he leads us and he guides us. And just because I'm speaking doesn't mean I have to be the one that experiences that. Amen? You can speak to your grandkids' life. You can speak to your children's life. You can speak into their future and say, This is what God has promised. This is what thus saith the Lord. And if they have that experience of knowing that their, their uh, forefathers said something and did something and, and spoke of something, then they've got something to look forward to. So this is my biggest point from this message today, is who are you speaking to when it comes to their future? What actions are you doing today that's not about yourself, that's about the future of someone else. We all live our selfish lives. Amen? I, I, I live a selfish lifestyle. But truly what matters is what I'm doing for others. And I love having influence in people's lives, don't you? I love thinking I'm making a difference when it comes to our culture, when it comes to our society. So as I'm saying these things, it, it, this week I was riding home in the truck and, and one of the young men that went up to the, the uh, lessons with me, to the school with me, he said this. He asked me a question and I've not, been answer, I've not had to answer this question before. He's 26 years old. And it's amazing how even things in the world, it intertwines with what the church is doing and what God's doing. He told me on the way home, he said, I've been living a very selfish lifestyle. I'm like, really? He's not a Christian. He knows nothing about that book. He doesn't attend church, maybe, I don't know of any. And he says, I found out this week that I'm living a very selfish lifestyle. And he started talking to me, and, they, and, and there was four of them in a the truck with us, and, they, and he said, uh, well, Ben, what do you think your, is your biggest life's accomplishment? What's the biggest accomplishment in your life? What have I accomplished? I was like, I don't know. I need to think for a minute. That's a big question. One thing, I can't do anything. Amen? I can't accomplish anything. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to answer these four people that don't go to church, none of them. And they're asking me, what's your greatest accomplishment in life? That's not an accomplishment. 
So I was just sitting there wondering, I was like, and I told him the story about when I went on my study for my dad's grandpa, or his great-grandpa. He never, he never knew his name. And I told him about doing study of uh, genealogy and trying to find and, and how that 100 years from now, nobody will know your name. I've said all these things here at this church before. And I was telling him, you know, to make a difference or to have an accomplishment in life means somebody will remember something about you or something you set into action. And it truly does weigh on me what difference am I making. Does anybody else ever have any of these concerns or do you ever sit around and wonder what difference am I making? What accomplishments do I have? A hundred years from now, will anybody know anybody in this room's name? And it's not about our name, but it's about leaving a legacy for the next generation. So I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it, and eventually I told him, I said, well, I don't want to get all churchy on you, but I'll just tell you. And this is, this is what I told him. You can, I'll give you their phone numbers. You can call and ask them. I said, probably my greatest accomplishment in life to date that I can think of is taking a trip to Portsmouth one night. I think we went to Taco Bell and had a conversation with a young couple that I didn't even really know very well, but you could sense a calling on their life. I said, I talked to them and I asked them, would you be interested in becoming the youth pastors at Bethesda? And I told them, I said, when I asked this young couple this, they looked at me like I was crazy. It's amazing. And I was like, really? What difference does it make, the things I'm doing? And I said, the best accomplishment of my life is empowering others to make a difference. That's the best accomplishment of my life. It's when I empower others or cause others to believe they can do something that they thought they couldn't. And Dustin and Albie's both sitting here shaking their head right now because with everything in them, they wanted to say no because they were scared. But they wouldn't say no because they felt God saying yes. And when God says yes, you better not say no. Amen? You want to talk about a 40-year wilderness journey experience? If you two would have said no, it would have been bad. But because you said yes, now, got this young guy sitting here. I remember a time when he wasn't sitting here, don't you, Misty? I remember a time where we had to drive three hours to come and see you one hour a year. Now I get to see you every week. And if I can empower them to impact him, 
That's action. And it's not only Devo. How many kids was there Tuesday? 13 or 14 kids sitting in the church at Kentucky Heights. They sung me happy birthday. They videoed them all the way around the room singing me happy birthday. And when I thought about that on the way home and I told them, I said, it's not just about the youth pastors. It's about the impact the youth pastors are having on somebody else that I could never touch. That I could never reach. So the greatest accomplishment, I believe, in my life was impacting others or empowering others or causing others to believe they can when they thought they couldn't. Because Jesus in me saw the potential of those two. It wasn't me. I didn't know them. I'd never met Dusty other than one time. You know who painted in this room before he ever even knew to come to church here? Or before I ever even asked that question? Dusty Caseman was here multiple times painting this room. Prior to being youth pastor, prior to knowing any of it, he was here helping another church be better for their community. What actions are we doing? What statements are we making to impact the next generation? Moses, in this story, is speaking on behalf of God and saying, when you cross that Jordan, here's what to do. Paul says in Corinthians, I would that you all would prophesy. I would that you all would prophesy. Be prophetic in your speech. And I just wonder, when was the last time in the midst of your wandering around, like this series name, that you lost sight of yourself and spoke to the future of others? This is as real as it can get. When have you prophesied last? When have you caused some young girl that's in the middle of foster care and not know if she's going to be placed where in a few weeks to have passion enough to believe that God will take care of me? And my future is in good hands if I'm in his. When was the last time that some teenager was struggling with depression or anxiety or fear that you spoke in their future and said, you don't have to end your life now because God's got a future for you.
when was the last time one of your co-workers truly could see the heartbeat of God on the inside of you and listen to what you had to say? That it wasn't just words, but they could sense that there's something prophetic. I think a lot of things we say are pathetic more than prophetic. You can tweet that. What's it mean to prophesy? It's what Moses did right here. And the best thing I can think of that Moses done throughout his 40 years of wandering was he empowered Joshua to believe and trust God. And when it comes down to the time of the end, Moses is going to be found faithful standing up on the side of that mountain looking out over that ridge and saying, on the other side of that water is what I've heard about all my life. And I may not get to experience myself, but I know one thing. God working through somebody else that I've spoken to, they're going to be able to see it and live it. I'm not. So today, I want us to really question how much we're doing. An accomplishment can't come without action. There's people that say, and there's people that do. And I believe if we truly have passion, or sympathy, or vision, that we will be doing stuff. And it shouldn't be that a church has to beg people to come and serve their community at a 9-11 dinner. We've seen what radical Islam, the, the opposition to what we believe and decree and declare, what they're willing to do to sacrifice for their religion. They're willing to get on a plane and drive 300 p other people through the middle of a building to prove their point. That's action. And I hear all the time, I read all the time about the Jehovah Witness and about their willingness to take two years of their life to go on a mission and go beat on doors and wear a white shirt and a black tie and, and talk to everybody they come in contact with about uh, Jehovah. Their actions declare their faithfulness to their God. The Mormons jump on bicycle and go for a two-year mission journey, every one of them, to go and declare for their God a mission journey and tell everybody about the Book of Mormon. And when in the church I ask you to speak and prophesy for God, I really wonder how many will go out of this place today and have one other thought about it and say, am I going to do that or am I not? I'm not begging. I'm not going to beg. It's between you and God. But I hope someday when we stand before him that he'll say, I'm glad that you're standing here, you good and faithful servant. Those are the three words that it says he'll declare over you. Welcome into the joy of the Lord, my good and faithful servant. So if you want to evaluate your life, take those three terms. Have I been good? 
Have I been faithful? And am I serving? And not everybody has to do the same thing. I'm not telling you you have to take on a youth group. This past week, or two weeks ago, I called Aunt Mary and I said, look, there's big dirt spots all over the floor and the carpets everywhere is messed up at, at the Vanceburg campus. And I said, would you be willing to go out and steam clean the carpet? You know what she said? Yeah. She didn't say, I'll think about it. She didn't say, well, let me pray. She didn't say, have you got somebody else to help me? She said, yeah. That's serving. Not everybody has to do the same thing. Betty, a while back, there was a couple that she had to be an encouragement to those people during a trying time. And she texted me, what do you think about me saying this to them? Yeah. Text them. Pray for somebody that you see struggling. And let them know that you're praying for them. It's not a bad thing. That's serving the body. That young man attended church here twice. But now God is still using Bethesda to bless him. It's not about, are they still here or are they still not? God's bigger than us. What are you doing to prophesy? Let's stand. Won't you take your neighbor by the hand, if you will? I want everybody touching somebody. Nobody left out. Nobody alone. I want you to pray for those individuals that you're standing there touching that you'll pray that God would impact their life, that he would empower them, that he would embolden them to begin to speak on his behalf, that they would be prophetic in their speech, that God would use them to speak to things that they won't even experience themselves, that they will be able to speak to things that they'll never see for themselves, but they'll speak into the generation. It'll say, I will see God. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Matthew 5, 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Lord, let a pure heart ring true in every person in this room. Begin to pray for those people you're touching. Father, I thank you today for the church of Bethesda. God, I thank you for the people that is here, Lord, as they're touching others. Lord, as they're praying for others. God, I pray that you would empower them, that you would embolden them. Lord, that you would strengthen them. God, I pray that their voice would be a trumpet for you. God, I pray as they speak, God, others would listen. And God, I pray that a prophetic unction would come upon each and every person in this room. 
God, I pray that, that as, as we see those around us struggling, and Lord, as it seems as though we're wondering ourselves and we don't really have answers for everything, but Lord, something would rise from within us. A holy unction, God. A, the Holy Spirit moving on a, in inner parts of our being and, and saying things to a generation, God, that needs you, God. Lord, there's people in our community that has never attended a church, that has never sat on a pew, that has never heard a sermon right here in Lewis County. And God, I pray, let us be prophetic in every thing we do. Let us have actions God and not only words. Rise up O Jacob. Rise up and be heard. Arise out of your slumber and your sleep. And proclaim the oracles of God. In Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name. Would you just sing one verse of that? Let's see. Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you would like prayer or a prayer cloth for someone you need, uh, someone you know that needs a prayer cloth, you can come up and get one of those after the service. We'd love to pray with you. Love God, love people. Go and speak for God.